Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, August 29th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Very well. Finally signed a new place, put the money in, know where I'll be living September 2nd, and that is such a weight off the shoulders. That's big time, man. Congratulations. Thank you. So. I think worthwhile to look at as many places as possible, but somewhere in that you just want to have it done with and ready and very glad to have that. And most of the boxes I was looking to check checked. So last time this background will be here. The last time, eh? Wow. It's a big Summer's deal. flown by. I know more and more change. Uh, yeah. Just, we have to get through this last bit of heat wave and hope hopefully things will, will settle down a little bit. It has been absolutely cooking today. Oh yeah. It's been oh, yeah. fine here, but uh, the place I signed actually has an air conditioner. So I'm almost hoping for it to come. Like I went a little out of budget, a little higher to get a balcony and air conditioner. So uh, I'm ready for the heat waves, make that purchase worthwhile. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a warm September, but I am, I'm fed up with the humidity for now. I just need a reprieve, you know? Yeah, no, that's enjoying that greatly right now. Yeah. Yeah, we are one week away from uh, my, the folks that I know returning to university here in London. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some familiar faces again. Looking forward to get back out on the field and do some coaching at Western. Um, Really looking forward to that and, yeah, I mean, as I mentioned on Thursday, it's always a great time of year for me. It has many fond memories, and and I just have good vibes heading into this next week. So um, hopefully things are good. And obviously the sports calendar is slow, but there has been enough news recently that it has picked up for us to warrant a second podcast this week. And, and I believe we're changing the schedule to try and do Sundays moving forward, if, if that was what I gathered from our last conversation. Yes, that's the plan, and the sporting god knew, the god of sporting news obliged, giving us more than enough to talk about in what's occurred over these last three days. So let's get right to it, shall we? Of course, uh, we will start with some basketball storylines. Um, a quick stop in Tokyo, uh, some combat corner, some football fan cave, and a little bit of talking hockey on this one today pretty decently packed show so we'll have lots to talk about and uh also Kanye West dropping his album Donda today and uh I don't really have many comments on that but I thought I'd just mention it because it's it was a big deal people have been waiting for it for uh for many weeks and he had been living in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome for a while of course uh finally moved out of there but it is here and it's all right. I listened to some of it. I'm I'm not an expert in music and hip hop and what is better than what, but a um, couple songs that I could tap my foot, not along to, so can't complain. And some other ones that probably skipped a little bit through that I probably shouldn't have had, but um, hey, that's it for me. Where do you want to start today? Yeah, let's get right to basketball. I can't remember the last time I saw this four or five people on my Spotify feed all listening to the same tracks. All right, sounds good. 
the first bit of news kind of happened the day after we signed out of our podcast. A pretty big trade, three-team trade occurring in the NBA between the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Cavaliers acquiring the largest name RFA remaining in the market, Laurie Markkinen, and signing him to a four-year deal. Uh, The Portland Trailblazers get Larry Nance Jr. in this trade, and the Chicago Bulls managed to get a Portland first-round protected pick uh, and Derek Jones Jr. So, <laughs> honestly, Markkinen's the biggest name in this trade, but I think the team that got him is probably the team that makes out the worst out of these three teams. Um, now, Larry Nance Jr. is going to be a great fit in Portland. Um, I think he's exactly what they need. They've been searching for a wing defender for a long, long time now, and he fits that profile of a guy who can play defense against some larger wings, uh, which they're absolutely going to need him to do this year. He fits well in beside Robert Covington. Both of them can shoot the three. But the other thing that Larry Nance brings is that ability to play make out of the short role, where if Damian Lillard is being trapped, if CJ McCollum is being trapped, they can have an outlet and Nance can either drive down the lane and throw it down over your head, or he can find the open shooter. Um, it's it's a little bit discounted version of Draymond Green, but that is exactly the role that Portland's hoping that he can provide. And I think it's a great fit there as well. Chicago, um, everyone knew that marketing was going to be moved, yet they still managed to finagle a first round pick out of Portland. Uh, so that's great for them to get some value there. And Derek Jones Jr. is another guy who, with this team I was talking about, it's a bunch of great offensively minded players and they're going to put up a lot of points, but they don't have anyone to play defense. Derek Jones Jr. is exactly the guy you want because he is committed to the defensive side of the floor. He doesn't bring much offensively, but that's okay when you have the multitude of scores and playmakers that the Bulls now have in their rotation. And so I kind of like that piece for them. And then finally with Cleveland, Markkinen, tons of upside still. He's still really young, obviously the biggest name in this trade. And uh, he definitely needed a new environment to work out of because his time in Chicago has just not been successful. Uh, I think he has a ton more to offer. It's just, I'm not sure of what the fit is going to look like next to Mobley and Jared Allen. It's a really interesting team Cleveland's put together now with those three along with uh, Sexton, Sexton and Garland at the point Sexland like, is their combo name though so don't be <laughs> don't be don't be sad that you said that yeah i mean obvious i think obviously mobley the highest ceiling on paper of anyone there but a bunch of really young players and if they can get their scouting not scouting player development together this starting core could really go somewhere it, i don't think anyone's going to be running them into cap trouble anytime soon so they'll have time to develop tinker find the right depth and role players to put around them Uh, i'm pretty happy in the position i'm in if i'm the cleveland management moving forward with this uh portland really just discount warriors that way (laughs) you've got Lillard taking curry's spot mccullum taking thompson's spot and now um larry nance jr taking draymond's spot so imitation the highest form of flattery oh yes uh a team that portland has lost too many times uh trying to imitate a portion of that although they have very different offensive styles 
to a sense. I think the biggest loser of this trade has to be Kevin Love. Um, kind of for forgotten man, Ooh, still on the Cleveland when Cowboys. They get Twenty million dollars. Fair. He's making a big time contract, but he is going to get basically no playing time now, as the Cavs are going to commit to playing Allen, Mobley, Markinen, all guys under twenty five years old, all guys that have room to improve and get better, and they fit well with, of course. Uh, Sexton and Garland, but also the fifth overall pick from two years ago, Isaac Okoro, who's their starting small forward, right? This is a really young team with a lot of upside. Uh, So Kevin Love, nowhere much to say, but he does not want to get bought out, which means that no team is going to have the cap space to trade for him, right? That's the obvious thing is, is for him to be traded, but no team can fit him in. So he's kind of stuck there in Cleveland and he's going to get paid a bunch. Good for him, but he's not going to play and they're not going to win a ton of games. So uh, I don't know what's really in it for him. I, at some point he's either going to have to accept a buyout or uh, there's going to be another poor team that'll make the trade for him uh, in with a chance to try and flip him later down the road. Man, he's, I think he's going to have to show a pretty consistent amount of playing time and production for a team to take on that risk, or it's going to have to be a team with like no worries about potentially losing a ton of money on an injured old vet who you don't really know what you're going to get. I, I think he chose money over playing and winning and that is not a choice i can criticize whatsoever he's got his ring and i mean that ring is going to be worth a lot more than if he went and did like depth to the already like over 35 laker team so i guess a bit of a loser he doesn't get his farewell tour but uh like I said, I'm sure that $20 million will cushion the blow. Yes, I'm sure he's fine. But uh, is a bummer to see such a great talent kind of fall by the wayside here uh, as we go into the 2021-2022 season. Um, another aging veteran, uh, not nearly making the same amount of money as Kevin Lug, is uh, Rajon Rondo who recently was bought out, agreed to a buyout with the Memphis Grizzlies, who acquired him um, in that trade with the Clippers, where they shopped uh, Patrick Beverly around and just passed him off to another team. Uh, Rondo also will be departing Memphis, and it looks like the Los Angeles Lakers are the front runner to sign him with seemingly their final roster spot. I think that's the best fit for Rondo, simply in terms of he just hasn't been able to provide any value for a team unless it's constructed of with veterans and that's what the Lakers are. It's a purely veteran based team uh, except for Taylor Horton Tucker. And so uh, Rondo already know, we know that he fit in well there in their 2020 title run. He's back him and LeBron uh, may not always see the eye to eye, especially with Rondo believing in, in some of the things, but you can't argue with the results the first time they paired up. And so uh I think it's a fine fit for Los Angeles. Who knows what Rondo is going to look like two years removed from the title run now, but um, they've taken enough chances on older guys that why not just add another to the mix? Yeah, the only thing I question with this move is you've kind of already got every a lot of what Rondo brings in Westbrook. 
And if I was looking for a point guard in the Lakers, I might be looking for someone to replace like Westbrook in those last minutes, someone who's going to be able to hit the open looks when LeBron has it in clutch time, if he decides to dish it. And I'm not sure Rondo's that guy with the shooting or historically hasn't been, though he did step it up last playoff run. So banking on a return to that is what your eyebrows are telling me. Well, so the other interesting piece to this is Rondo and Westbrook have mad beef. So um, it will be fascinating. Like, LeBron had the tweet about hard knocks the other day that he wanted to see it in in the NBA. And I don't know if he meant for this, but that would be the team I would be most dying to see have a hard knock special uh, where they take you inside the team's preseason just to see Rondo and Westbrook just fight it out during practice. Cause these are two guys who go hard and do not like each other. Will they be able to put their differences aside and figure something out? That would be so entertaining to see up close. Uh, but hopefully we have some great B writers in LA that'll be able to pro- peel back the curtain for us to, to take some of that in. Yes. Um... I wanted to talk about one former Laker as well. Who's not on here. I just wanted to shout out J.R. Smith who has returned to to college at the University of North Carolina, pursuing his college degree. He is playing on the varsity golf team at (laughs) University of North Carolina, but also has had some amazing tweets uh, talking about how no one's going to put him down. He's going to get his degree. He was talking about his tutor. He was talking about some of his classes, the great time he's been having. It's a great follow right now. I'm appreciating all this content and go and get educated, sir. Uh, Really happy for J.R. Smith because up until now, all that he's been associated with is shirtless parading and Hennessy. <laughs> Sounds like a step up for sure. All right, then I think we've been leaving our Raptors stuff for last then. So I just had a quick acknowledgement, admittance I was wrong, potentially wrong. A headline caught my eye the other day that it seems like 76ers management has come to terms with not being able to trade Ben Simmons. As we get closer to preseason, the focus likely shifts to how do we get this guy into the gym, into the locker room, and make that as amiable and productive an atmosphere as possible. So should be a very interesting storyline to follow. I might uh, take that behind the scenes close up even over the Lakers one. Yes, definitely a hard knocks candidate as well. The other team I would throw out there is Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime you've got Harden, Irving, and, and Katie in the same room, that is just instant content. Okay. Raptors. Yes, let's do it. Uh, the Raptors signing uh, guard Svitislav Mikhailuk, nailed it, uh, to a two-year deal. He is a guy that I have loved in 2k for the last couple of years that's why i know how to say his name uh svi mikhailuk he's six seven um and he shot 40 percent from three two years ago uh i see him as that deandre bembry type role for this raptors team if we're talking about any comparisons to last year uh, a guy who's eight nine tenth man on your bench but he can come in now and he's a shooter that we needed on that bench unit right that was one of the things that i mentioned it was a lot of scotty barnes it was a lot of malachi flynn chris boucher you don't always want him being the driving engine of your offense just you worry about efficiency and and his limited offensive capabilities uh whereas mikhailuk has some off 
off-ball tendencies and a little bit of on-ball work as well. He's a good shooter. He's reliable, and I think he'll fit in well with what the Raptors are trying to build here. Um, a lot bigger of a guy to put beside Malachi Flynn uh, in, in, in that bench unit. And so I think he really slides in well there and, and is an upgrade over a Paul Watson or um, anyone else kind of deep in the Raptors uh, rotation that you would put there, even someone like a Champagny or a Delano Benton that we saw in the G League. This is a guy who's played now in the NBA for a couple of years, and he played on a pretty crappy Detroit Pistons team. So I think there's actually more to his ceiling that Nick Nurse can get out of him. So excited to see what Svi Mikhailuk can bring to the Raptors this season. Awesome. All right, we move from this continent across the Pacific to Tokyo. What have you got? Yeah, so of course, Paralympics still going on. I wanted to shout out Aurelie Rivard. Um, she was the, I believe she, no, she was not the flag bearer. That was Gagne. Uh, but she is impressive nonetheless, setting a world record, not once, but twice in the 100 meter freestyle, once in qualifying, and then again uh, on her way to Paralympic gold for Canada. So I wanted to shout out Orly. Um, incredible performance by her. She also won bronze in the 50 meter freestyle as well. So doing great things in the pool. Uh, and I wanted to shout her out. She's She's been superb. So shout out. And that's going to be all the Tokyo for this week. Moving on to the combat segment. Uh, the most one of the most riveting parts of last night's UFC came when they dropped the news for the upcoming Madison Square Garden card, which will feature two rematches of in title fights. Uh, the headliner being Usman Covington two, and the sec co-main, likely co-main, unless they add another title fight that bumped ahead of it will be Rose Namajunas and Weili Zhang, Zhang Weili, excuse me's rematch from April that saw Rose knock Weili out in the first round with a head kick. And the this, of course, being an instant rematch, which is a really unfortunate trend, I think, that the UFC seems to be doing more and more um, the biggest problem with instant rematches is someone usually gets shafted, someone who's worked their way to a title shot and is ready for one. In this case, it's one Carla Esparza, who's on a four or five fight winning streak, with the last one the most impressive over a high-ranked opponent that she finished. Uh, you really can't ask for much more than that to earn a title shot, especially in a division like women's strawweight where it's so top heavy and you're looking for someone to break in when they have the momentum to do so you've got to give them their chance um and it also rematches are just better they age well if you can get the right number of fights in between them you look at inganu miocic and that's the perfect example inganu having the time to go back to the drawing board, rebuild, improve as a fighter, and drew a lot more hype to that and served him very well. And whenever a trilogy happens, it'll be that much more interesting with some more time. Nganu going to fight Gan again. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker's rematch I'm so excited for because Whitaker's last three fights, he's been such a connoisseur of striking technique that it 
I mean, that's normally how you describe Stylebender, but having seen where Whitaker kind of failed, a lot of bum rushing in that first fight, he goes, he has a couple of fights, looks so skilled, so technical. It has me really excited for that matchup. But um, Poirier McGregor 3, I'd seen the first one like four months ago and before, and I really had no doubts about how it would go. And I didn't think it would end like that. But if McGregor had gone and gotten a couple of wins, shown something, it would have been way better. And again, this one, I fell into the camp of thinking Whaley wasn't out yet and that fight could have kept going and she would have been fine. But Rose got her good and the fight ended. She had gone and like shown her grit. This rematch would be a lot more exciting. Usman Covington too kind of escapes that mold where Covington's had one fight with Woodley, but it was a Woodley who'd lost 10 straight rounds and was at the tail end of his MMA career. His second last fight in the UFC, um, Colby beating him was kind of a given. So I would have liked to see Colby do more, a lot more. And in fact, Usman has done just that since their last fight. He's gotten far, far better uh, defending his belt three times since, twice by knockout. So, like, their first fight was insanely competitive, insanely fun. The bad blood means, like, you could watch these guys try and punch each other in the face every week for a year. But it's a hard sell that like Usman's just improved himself so much. And we haven't seen that from Colby. We know he's not as good of a gym as he was. So the bad blood's going to be fun, but this kind of feels like a chance to capitalize on how fun their first fight was and just let Usman show how much he's improved since then. Give my thoughts on both matchups as we get closer to it, but weird, uh, kind of outlier in that instant rematch well it does demonstrate that if colby had gone and gotten a couple more wins this one would be that much more hype so overall just the matchmaking really interesting uh lead disappointing on this and as a final note trevor whitman the coach could potentially have his ass in the same spot for about an hour and a half where if uh gaethje versus chandler which was also announced for this card ends up happening right before those two he would be coaching gaethje rose and usman all in a row so that'll be something to watch out for on that card as well Lastly, um, the thing we keep having to talk about in this special segment, uh, Jake Paul boxing again tonight against Tyron Woodley. That card kicks off in about five minutes from right now. I've really got no idea what to expect. I just mentioned Woodley being at the tail end of his MMA career. He did kind of try and bum rush Luke and show his offense and a lot of the struggle over those 15 straight rounds of losses seemed like a mental thing. And even though he got dropped and submitted in that Luke fight, he at least showed that dog, that mental offense. So you're a little more optimistic for him going into this fight rather than if he had lost to Colby most recently, he's going to get paid, which is great. But I don't know. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on this one now? Um. Well, 
I was happy that I predicted the brothers fight, Logan, uh, with Floyd Mayweather. I saw that come into a draw. I think, again, I would never say that he's as good as an actual boxer, but I think Jake Paul and Logan Paul have really taken this seriously in terms of their training. Jake's been boxing longer than Tyron at this point. Like, yes. Oh yeah. And like they, they've put a lot of time into the craft. I very well could see him winning this fight as well. They have selected each person he's faced with precision, with reason. Um, Woodley's probably the most athletic and, and fight prepared guy. I don't know. Woodley's Woodley, at least well, knocked people out before. Yeah. Nate Robinson never ben lost Askren, any, right? knocked anyone out. Ben Askren never knocked anyone out. Yeah. I don't know who Jake Paul's first fight was, but it was a YouTuber. He'd never knocked <laughs> anyone out. Yeah. Tyron so Woodley they, doesn't they've have slowly any... worked their way up, right? Yeah. And, and he's and continued to get better. So and and he outweighs him by a considerable margin as well. So I could see this very well going to Jake Paul again and having the world explode. But um, if you're a fan of combat sports, you at least have to appreciate what he's doing to shine a spotlight, even if you don't like the person is or how he's doing it. Um, But it's certainly getting more views than anything we've seen in quite a while. And if you look at like Deontay Wilder's career, it's not really that different in terms of opponent selection. Like I I just picked Deontay's name off the top of my head, but there are a lot of boxers who work their way up to those top tier opponents slowly, steadily. That perfect record means a lot in the sport. So he chose the right sport to opponent select with that kind of style and we'll see if the hype can keep on going um maybe we'll have to talk about that before next week but that's all for now in combat corner the floor is yours again all right we are back to the football fan cave uh some quick soccer notes cristiano ronaldo Right after I talked about Manchester City and the Man United fans uh, losing their minds and what could this possibly mean, it turns out it was all a hoax. Man City was used as a pawn. United swoops in and signs the transfer. Cristiano Ronaldo is coming home to Manchester United, joining an absolutely stacked and deep front line of this United team. Um, FIFA 22 is going to be lit online with purely people choosing United and PSG as their teams of choice. Um, These two teams are going to be really fun to watch. Messi making his debut as a substitute today for Paris Saint-Germain in their 2-0 win. Mbappe scored two goals there. We'll see where he goes as Real Madrid has submitted transfer requests for him. Um, it's very possible he could be on his way out of PSG before the transfer window ends. If he doesn't, though, quite an entertaining couple of offensive machines that these two teams will be. Um, Really exciting, really cool that Ronaldo decided in the end to return home to where he started his professional career uh, rather than joining the the other oil club (laughs) just across the street. But he is there, and it just makes the Premier League that much more exciting. It has been a couple of years since they have had a top-notch, world-class superstar on the level of one of these guys, and just another reason to tune in on on Sunday mornings. Watch them stomp the local clubs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
we'll talk a little bit of American football here. The Philadelphia Eagles with some Jalen Hurts insurance trading for Gardner Minshew, who actually has the best passer rating out of his draft class um, through two seasons, I believe. He is a solid quarterback. Great to have as a backup. He can come in and win you a couple games. Uh, but for now, the Eagles just adding another bit of depth, another piece of competition to the quarterback room before they eventually name Jalen Hurts as a starter would be my expectation. Uh, some sad news, J.K. Dobbins looks to be done for the season with a knee injury. Everyone in Baltimore was very, very excited to see what he could do. Uh, a rookie last season really stepping into his own was going to be the number one running back option in Baltimore and lead their super talented rushing attack. It's a big hit for them on their uh expectations to reach the Super Bowl, I think it sets them back a ton because he is way more dynamic than any of the other options they have sitting in their running back depth chart. Uh, it'll probably now be Gus Edwards leading the charge there, but just it's it's not even close to the uh, spark plug, athleticism, big play type playmaker that Dobbins was combined with Lamar Jackson. Uh, so really tough for the Ravens and really tough for fantasy owners if you've already had your draft because he was a very popular pick going into this season. Did you get screwed? No, I survived. Um, <laughs> both of my running backs are probably less exciting options. I know I had Mike Davis there. Uh, I can't even put my finger on the other one right now, but I went with a little I went a little bit off the board with guys that are, not the big names, not as exciting, but I thought I got good value for them uh, as part of my team. Avoided J.K. Dobbins, so I didn't have to grab him. Antonio Gibson was my other one. I'm excited about the season that both of these guys are going to have. Yeah, I've got uh, my Sundays off, like I said, so I'm, there might be a lot of bored afternoons where I end up throwing some of that on. Yes, sir. It's good product, I'm telling you. Uh, the last piece of news here, the New Orleans Saints – moving practice uh, to the Dallas Cowboys facilities, of course, because Hurricane Ida is touching down right now uh, in the southernmost point of Louisiana. Uh, Want to send our best wishes to all of the folks there. Stay safe, please. Um, frightening scenes. It looks to be one of the biggest storms they have experienced since Katrina, and we know how that ended up, and, and just hoping that things go well there. Um, it's, it's definitely a frightening time. And I have a bit of an addiction to watching big storms, but this is one that you always got to take with a little bit of, uh, measure here just because of, of the people that are going to be affected. And, um, definitely if you have the means support them when they come out of this, they're going to need it. Um, and just hopefully everything ends up okay. Someone. All right, that brings us to talking hockey. I this is a fun one. There's we don't get a ton of drama in the NHL relative to other sports, especially not at the ownership level. But the Carolina Hurricanes have not forgotten the payday they are still paying Sebastian Aho, thanks to the Montreal Canadiens offering them or putting an offer sheet towards him and so they return the favor to Asperi Kokanemi 
offering him a one-year $6.1 million contract, which he has accepted. So now the Montreal Canadiens, who I checked this morning, and it looked like they were already at their cap limit. I know Weber's on injured reserve right now, and I think they were at the cap limit with that. So I'm not sure what finagling they'd have to do to even make it happen, but... They would be able to figure it out by the time the season starts. Yeah. So in a position where they either have to let Kokaniemi, a bona fide top six, not the flashiest player, but like a competent, solid, happy to put him in guy. He's definitely getting overpaid at six million. But uh, with a team like the Canadians, that their forward core was just always so solid. Like they they didn't have a starting line, they didn't like, they, but they didn't also have a weak line. So if you can put a chink in that armor in that core, that might be a huge loss for them. Um, I should have started this ramble with a determined start and end point. So please start talking. Yes, there, there's quite a few pieces to derive from here. Um, first. This is the pettiest move we have seen by an NHL team in quite a long time. It's not something that's done and is purely a um, a rebuttal for the move that Montreal made a couple of years ago. In the end, probably give, doing Carolina a favor by almost lowballing Aho with that offer. I think he probably could have ended up making more based on what Marner got. Um, the $20 signing bonus was just mwah, perfection. Uh, Sebastian Ajo's number for the Carolina Hurricanes, of course. So literally just throwing that in there to let them know why they submitted the offer sheet. It was brilliant. Um, because he has signed this Cockett Niemi for this one year, will actually make more than Philip Deneau is making in his new deal with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, it's possible now that Montreal could be losing both of those guys, which would be a huge blow to their team after making the Stanley Cup Finals this past season. Um it's it's massive. It's a massive decision here for Bergevin coming up. Do you take the deal and and you ride out this one year where then his 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 arbitration then starts at six point one, right? And it only goes up from there. You're basically handicapped into starting at a number that you probably didn't want to start at in negotiations. You also only have one year of control before those contract negotiations come up again. Is it worth all of this trouble? For this kid who's entering his third year, he's only 20. He's still so, so young. He was the youngest player in the draft two years ago. And he's got a ton of upside. So do you let that go in exchange for a first and a third round pick? That's quite a lot of value. It's probably, in actuality, worth more than what Kakenyemi is to them right now. But you know that's going to be a late first and a late third, depending on how well Carolina does. They're a pretty solid team and this could be their completing piece right to their forward core that's already extremely deep they're basically just this is uh, icing on the cake for them so it's an incredibly interesting move and it really like carolina went out of their way to put montreal in a hazardous position and i am absolutely loving it as a leafs fan uh it is a really really bright spot in an otherwise dreary off season and last couple of months as a Leafs fan so I want to savor every moment of this that I can yeah it's I guess also in 
this league, we've got a history of a lot of really unfortunate offer sheets. Mentioned Weber earlier. Montreal still paying him absurd amounts of money. Uh, Parise Suter bought out this year. So tip often with this sort of thing, you see it ends up biting the team, whichever team ends up doing it in the ass one way or another. Uh, with this one-year term, I'm not sure where Carolina will still have the same problem you mentioned with Montreal in re-signing Kakinemi at the end of the year. If uh, Montreal doesn't take him, which is kind of what I'm assuming. Um, but I wonder if they had something like this on their mind when they let Hamilton go, because I think he ended up signing for something like eight and a half million. So not that much higher a cap hit than what they're taking Kakinemi for. If you're a Hurricanes fan, you best be hoping that they actually get this guy because if this is their move after losing Nedeljkovic and losing Dougie Hamilton and just submitting this petty offer sheet, while it's entertaining, if if Montreal decides to match and Carolina is left with nothing for this, you have to be pretty frustrated with how this offseason has gone, especially if you believe that this is was their intention the whole time. I don't think it was. It just the opportunity presented itself. Uh but it, it, it definitely says a lot about this Hurricanes management if this was the goal from the beginning. And as a Hurricanes fan, you got to hope that they hold on to it. I think Montreal in the end is going to match and just figure things out because he's uh, an asset that they have invested the time and money in. They've invested the draft pick. They know him. Uh, they want to keep him in their system. So I think in the end, he's going to stay. But um, <laughs> definitely a fun ride for sure. I can't wait to see. Only They only have seven days to match. So... We'll find out soon enough. Walk is ticking. <laughs> All right. This ended up being, I guess, good 35-ish minutes. A little shorter than a normal episode, but not entirely shocking, considering we just went three days ago. It's more shocking that we had as much to talk about as we did. U.S. Open kicking off tomorrow, which I'm super excited for. Oh, I'll let you sign us off. Yes, sir. Uh, if you haven't seen the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, definitely recommend you take that a look as well. I've probably watched it about 20 times already <laughs> this week. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I haven't had to do this ever or in a very long time, but enjoy the Paul Woodley fight if you are tuning in. If not, have a pleasant Sunday. Stay safe, my friends. Sportsnet Store, signing out.